0: and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hello, my friends. We have got a big episode for you today, especially if you're somebody who deals with bloating, which is a lot of people. Did you know that the third most common cause of bloating is, wait for it, gallbladder issues? So that's going to be the name of the game today. This is the most overlooked problem when it comes to bloating, but also just overall gut health and overall hormonal health uh, particularly for women and particularly if you're over 40 but even if you're not this still applies and it's stuff you definitely want to to know about. So this episode is for you if you've got bloating, if you've got acid reflux, if you've got constipation, if you've got hormonal issues, if you have thyroid issues, all super apply um, or what should I say this information. <laughs> applies to all of those. So listen up. It's a good one. chock full of info. Um, I want to take a second because I'm very excited that there uh, we've got a lot of people signed up for the Body Intentions Workshop coming up on June 3rd. So that will be this Friday. Uh, but I did get a few questions that I want to address here because um, what I'm hearing is like, okay, this is my goal. Is this uh, does this work? Or is, would this workshop be appropriate for me? And yes, 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 yes. Any body goals, any body intentions, anything that you're like, this is what I want to work on, or this is where I feel resistance. That's why I called it the breakthrough. We're breaking through resistance and we're doing it with a new approach, an approach I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you have not tried before. So let me just back up and explain where this workshop came from, because I don't really teach a whole lot of workshops. Um, I have my programs like Your Hormone Revival and the upcoming Carb Compatibility Project. Which, by the way, if you sign up for the CCP, you get this workshop for free. For free, it's a really good deal, really good value. Um, but I don't. This is the the first workshop that I've taught in a year, um, and it's the last one I'll teach for a while because it takes a long time to prepare for these things. Because I give you everything. I give you. Like I, I love to over deliver. Um, that's kind of like my vibe. So just trust that if you sign up for this workshop, you're getting a lot more. It's kind of like a course. You're getting a lot of, a lot of different stuff. Um, but the, this is something that I've been working on um for like behind the scenes not really talking about for a long time so many of you know if you've listened to the show for a while you know that I have dealt over the past four five six seven eight years with my own health struggles and I am grateful in a lot of ways because that is what led me to functional medicine. That is what led me to the work that I do today. I was searching for answers for myself. I was searching for solutions. I was searching for healing. And for a very long time, the focus was on my physical body because it needed to be. It needed to be. That was my entry point. I was really focused on deep nutrition, on the functional medicine modalities, functional labs, detox, supporting my hormones, supporting my gut. All of that. And it got me really far. You know, I talk about that we have all of these different bodies. We have the physical body, the emotional body, the energetic body. I start at the physical body. The physical body matters. We're not bypassing the physical body. We're still giving the physical body everything that it needs deep nutrition. You know, that's what the Carb Compatibility Project is all about. But I personally needed to go. Deeper. And that's where I find a lot of my clients. That's where I find a lot of people that I work with is that they need to go deeper than just the physical body. And so when I needed to go deeper, that's when I really dove into neuroscience and neuroplasticity and the biology of belief and quantum healing and understanding how the subconscious beliefs inform our body. You've heard me say it before, the body is the subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind is the thing to unlock the code to our physical healing. And that is like my whole jump off lately. That is like for the past four years, that is where the bulk of my attention, my research, and my passion has gone. And you've you you know, you've definitely heard it come out through this podcast in dribs and drabs. So for the past year, I've been slowly chipping away at a program, a book. I'm not really sure how it's going to be birthed out of me, but I've been working on it. Um, It's a new approach to healing. And I... It's not ready for prime time. It's going to be probably like another three month course, you know. And I just don't know. And I'm not going to do that to myself. To like, I'm running a company. I'm a CEO. I do the podcast. I run a school, the Functional Nutrition Academy. I work with clients. I'm a clinician. I've got a lot going on, right? So I'm not going to bite off more than I can chew. Um, but I am anxious to get some of this work. Out there. And so when I was marketing the carb compatibility project, when I started talking about it, and I asked people what your goal is, and a third of the people said, weight loss, I was like, "Huh? You know, I two weeks ago, I released an episode about about weight loss goals that really resonated with a lot of folks. It's like people have tried the restriction model for weight loss without success. Other people have tried anti-diet without success. So I'm just like, there's people kind of in the middle just being like, uh, and I'm like, what if, what if I presented a new and different way? What if I just, you know, taught a workshop presenting these ideas? So weight loss was kind of the thing that I'm like, hey, I could teach a workshop on this, but the reality is that these principles, these techniques, these practices, they work on any. Body goals. These are the principles that I use to heal my physical body. I do not have autoimmunity anymore. That is a thing in the past. So, the way I look at it, like, yes, you can come here if your goal is weight loss, or you can come here if your goal is something else. These practices that I'm going to teach you in the workshop can serve as a companion guide to any nutrition plan that you're doing. That's why I recommend it alongside the CCP or any healing modality. So, it's not going to interrupt um any type of healing process that you're doing it's really more like I said a companion guide. So hopefully that clears that up. I'm about to say something really bold, but I stand by it. The stuff that I'm teaching in this 3-hour workshop has the potential to change your life. It's really big stuff. I'm personally so excited uh, that I get to teach this. And so I'm very much so looking forward to seeing some of you. This is not something I'm going to teach in the future, most likely. So it's not like, hey, when are you going to run this again? Now's the time. Even if you can't make it live, sign up. You can catch the replay. Uh, you can catch the bonus workshops that, um, that come with, with the workshop. I highly encourage you to, to sign up. If you're thinking about it, this is your sign. Go all in. Bet on yourself. Do it. Rise to the occasion, rise to the challenge. Like, I got your back. This is not anything that's going to be taught on the podcast. This is totally in the container of this three hour workshop. So, I would love to see some of you there. You know, the podcast, I'm just like talking out into the, you know, into the mic. And for with this, I get to see your faces and like get to chat with you. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay. So let's go into gallbladder. Let's talk about it. Um, Now, I'm going to, this is going to be an information Heavy episode because I really want you to have an understanding, but there is a huge difference between comprehension and embodiment, right? So comprehension is like I understand this up here. I'm pointing to my head. I I get it, right? I understand that. If you're somebody who has a lot of information in your head, maybe you listen to every nutrition podcast, every functional medicine podcast, you're like, I know this. My question to you is then, but do you live it? Does your body know it? That's what embodiment is. That's like, it's like you're taking the information in your head and you're actually putting it into practice through your body in real, real time. That's how we affect change. Like just having a bunch of information in your head doesn't actually create transformation, doesn't actually create change on a body level, on a life level, right? So I encourage you that don't just listen to this episode, take the information from this episode and put it into action. If you wanna see changes in your physical body, if you wanna see changes in your health, you have to embody this. And I would encourage you to join the Carb Compatibility Project because we have four weeks together to take the information, all the information that you have about health and to kind of like whittle it down into like what do you actually need to know, and then what do you actually need to do with that information that you know, right? So if you're somebody who's deeply overwhelmed by all the information to the point where you're not putting it into practice, join the CCP and I will help you out there. So let's talk gallbladder. Um, a cholecystectomy is gallbladder removal, and it is one of the most common procedures in the United States. More than 1.2 million gallbladder removals are per- performed annually. Over a million, you guys. So we're just ripping out gallbladders left and right. And as I mentioned on last week's show, this doesn't come without consequence. We can't just take out a whole ass organ without some downstream side effects. Your gallbladder plays really crucial roles not just in digestion, not just in uh nutrition, like how you whether or not you actually access the nutrients of the food that you're eating, but also with detoxification, also with your hormone systems. So, it's kind of a big deal. And we can't just Take it out, you know? Like sometimes we have to. Sometimes there's, you know, there's an acute crisis where the, or crisis where the uh, gallbladder actually does need to be removed, like an obstruction, for example. But we, it's not like a, it's not like an organ that doesn't have a function or a role. Now, normally the gallbladder is removed because of gallstones, which can be very painful. Gallstones are when bile, Which is a digestive juice that we'll talk a lot about today, Um, but they it it gets hardened and there's like little hard deposits, almost like pebbles, in your actual gallbladder. They can block some bile ducts. They can cause a lot of pain. So when somebody gets to the point of like having tremendous pain, that's when they're like, oh, well, we're just going to take the gallbladder out. But understand this, you don't go from zero issues to having gallstones overnight. So gallstones is like the end of the road. You know, it's like this, th- there's been issues that have been going on for a while. So the purpose of today's show is to alert you to some of the warning signs that you have issues with your biliary tract. That way you can take preventative measures before it gets to the point of surgery. Because like I said, taking out a whole ass organ has downstream side effects. So we want to prevent that if we can, right? Um, And also it's important to understand that taking out the gallbladder doesn't just fix the issue, That isn't the root cause approach. We want to understand why there were issues with the biliary tract to begin with. So, the gallbladder, in case you're not familiar, it's a small pear shaped pouch or sac that's located in your upper right abdomen underneath the liver. And the gallbladder stores and concentrates bile. So, the liver produces bile. And then it travels through the common bile duct to the gallbladder, and that's where it is stored. And when we're talking about the biliary tract or the biliary system, that's really referring to the liver, the gallbladder, and the bile ducts kind of all collectively because they're all very intimately connected with bile production and bile storage and then bile release. So your liver, again, your liver makes that bile, and the bile is liquid. It's digestive liquid. It's needed to break down, emulsify, and absorbs, ab- absorb fat. You think about it like dishwasher detergent, right? We need that emulsification to take the fat and break it up into smaller bits. That's how we have to like break down our fat and absorb our fat. And the so then the liver makes this, and then it goes into the gallbladder. The gallbladder stores it, it concentrates it, and then it releases it, into the small intestine on demand when we eat fat. So when we consume dietary fat, the dietary fats, like we eat it, right? It works its way down the GI tract. It gets into the small intestine. And once dietary fats are there in the small intestine, there are certain cells in the intestine that sense that fat. And the cells say, oh, hey, there's some fat. I know, what, I know what we need. I know what, what, exactly what we need to emulsify this fat and break it down. We need bile. So the cells trigger the release of a hormone CCK. And CCK stimulates the contraction of the gallbladder. So it's actually the presence of, of dietary fat that starts this whole chain of events. So CCK says to the gallbladder, "Hey, you gotta contract yourself," and it's that contraction of the gallbladder, that little pouch, that releases the bile, it squirts the bile into the small intestine, so that that liquid, the bile, can then work on dietary fats. Okay, so bile made in the liver stored in the gallbladder, released into the small intestine in response to dietary fats. Okay, you got it? That's kind of the the trajectory there. With the state of the world over the past couple of years, so many of my clients and listeners have told me that their sleep has really been impacted. So I feel I'd be doing you a massive disservice if I didn't introduce you to our sponsor, Ned, because they have a solution for you. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants. It's grown by an independent farmer and his family in Colorado. Now Ned's co-founder and I sat down and had a really lovely conversation about sourcing and farming practices and how they chose their farm. And this company is the real deal. I've been using these products for a while now with incredible results. So Ned's best selling sleep blend offers a natural solution for a good night's sleep. It contains CBN, which is a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep. It has seven 150 milligrams of CBD and it also has uh, organic and wildcrafted botanicals you all know that I love nervine herbs so it has oat straw lemon balm passion flower skullcap these are herbs that help to relax the body and promote sleep If you need help unwinding at night, I highly recommend purchasing the Dream Set because it also contains Mellow, which is their awesome magnesium blend that features GABA and L-theanine. This is a non-negotiable in my nighttime routine lately. If you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's Dream Set, Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners get 15% off with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Now with gallbladder removal surgery, what happens is that the biliary tract is rerouted so that the bile can flow directly from the liver where it gets made into the small intestine through the common bile duct. Now, the cystic duct is another, another duct. Cystic duct connects the top of the gallbladder's neck, like the top of the pouch, and then it joins the common bile duct, which then meets the pancreatic duct. Remember, these ducts are all part of the biliary system, and then it empties into the duodenum, which is the first part of the small intestine. So that's like the natural flow of how things go when somebody still has their gallbladder. But just because you pluck out the gallbladder, it doesn't mean somebody can't still have gallbladder problems. Here's why. That cystic duct that I just told you about, that becomes the new gallbladder. So the cystic duct basically like pooches out. It creates another little pouch and that becomes a new, much smaller gallbladder. So, you can still have symptoms of gallbladder issues and bile issues. And I'll talk about symptoms in a little bit, even after getting your gallbladder removed. This is why I say it doesn't solve. The root problem. If you don't identify why there was issues, why there was breakdown to begin with, just ripping out the gallbladder doesn't fix it. It doesn't change. It doesn't make it go away because the cystic duct takes over. It becomes the new gallbladder. So you can still have issues with bile release. You can still have issues with like sludgy, not free flowing bile, which creates a whole host of problems. We're going to talk about that because even in the absence of gallbladder, of the gallbladder the liver's still making bile it's still, it's still happening bile you can still have bile issues even without a gallbladder so we like ultimately the goal is that this bile is free flowing it's getting where it needs to go it's doing its job there's no like there's no backup. And that's why, if you've ever heard of the term cholestasis, I mean, if, if it's, it's exactly what it is. It's a backup of bile flow in the liver. It's a backup of the bile flow in the bili- biliary ducts. Yeah, there's some type of like clog in the system. Um, and then we have gallstones, which is, again, those painful things, right, that... Um, that I was talking about before, stones are formed in the gallbladder from different components of bile. And this is quite common. I think it's the stat, the last stat that I saw is 20 to 25 million Americans are affected by gallstones. That's 10 to 15% of the adult population. So that's a lot of people. So you start to see, oh, okay, this is why that surgery is so common. Um, Gallstone disease is the leading cause for hospital admissions related to GI problems. Um, but some people don't experience any pain at all. so there's there's that. Uh, but before it gets all the way to the point of gallstones, what we can see is sludge. Now, most people are thinking, you know, when they're thinking about gallbladder issues, they're thinking about gallstones, they're thinking about gallstone obstruction, and this is actually why so many gall, uh, gallbladder issues are missed in conventional treatment, because they're more—they're really looking for gallstones. They're that's—they're really more concerned with gallstones in a full-blown obstruction, and not potentially paying as much attention as we should be to the sludge formation. This is really the main phenomenon, and it's before it turns into gallstones, your bile can create sludge. So gallbladder sludge is a real medical term. You can see it on ultrasounds. And this is before it gets to the point of gallstones. The the bile gets sludgy, it gets thick. And we have the opportunity to intervene during this time rather than sit back and wait for it to become a gallstone before it to become you know, an obstruction and have these like really gnarly acute symptoms that require you to remove an entire organ from your body. So a, a lot of people might not be dealing with obstruction, but they can be dealing with sludge. And when the gallbladder is sludgy, it's inefficient at releasing bile. I mean, it makes sense, right? When you think about it, it's not this free flowing bile. And when this happens, you can get very bloated you can feel very distended because if we need bile to break down and digest our fats and the bile is like thick and sludgy and not free flowing, then we don't have the, an appropriate bile um, to release those fats or I'm sorry, to uh, to break down those fats. So that's a, could be a good indication that something might be going on with the gallbladder is you feel bloated, if you feel distended, or if you're burping a lot after eating meals, Um, If you're, especially if you're feeling that way in response to fattier foods, that could be a good indication. Like, hey, um, there might be some sludge happening. Other symptoms of sludge is just the inability. Some people can really self-identify. Like, I don't do well with fats. I don't do well with fried foods. Um, The bloating and the distension Um, and and you might not always like be able to pinpoint and associate distension with food because it can take a few hours to get bloated with gallbladder stuff. So it might not be like, I eat the food and I get the, the tummy ache. Sometimes it's that quick. Sometimes it's not. Uh, like I said, burping, um, especially if you're feeling like you're burping after fatty meals, burping after taking fish oil supplements. If like those fish oils repeat on you, that could be an indication. When the gallbladder contracts, you can get referral pain. So you might experience pain in the upper back or the abdomen or um, between the shoulder blades, like up between the shoulder blades is is a kind of a common uh, gallbladder pain place. Uh, just ongoing GI complaints or issues can be a big one. Um, you might take a peek at your poop. So if you're not Breaking down your fat appropriately, you might see uh, your stool might be clay colored, like lighter in color. You might see floating stools, so poop that floats, or greasy shiny stools, or you might just straight up see like an oil slick on top of the water. That can all be indication that you're not breaking down your fats because you don't have enough bile to do so. Uh, you can see skin get skin changes, so you can um, red palms if you have red palms, reddened skin on the palms can be gallbladder. Dry, flaky, itchy skin can all be signs of poor fat digestion as low vitamin D status. So if your vitamin D is just perpetually low despite supplementation, think about fat malabsorption. Now, those are all the things that we. Should pay attention to. Those are all signs that things are not going well. And then here's why you should care. I'm going to talk about why bile is so important. Why I refer to it for years as an unsung hero, because bile has a lot more to do, a lot more to do in your body than just breaking down fat. Let's take a quick break to thank our show sponsor, BioCult. Their Boosted product is a multi-strain probiotic four times the concentration of the original formula, which is why I prefer it All of their probiotic strains are backed by clinical research. It really makes a great everyday probiotic. I just had somebody on Instagram reach out and say, this stuff has changed me. Thank you. So it's a great product. And the cool thing about it is that there's no need to refrigerate it. So you can take it with you when you're traveling, which I highly recommend because most of our guts get really jacked up when we're off our schedule, when we're traveling, when we're doing things that we don't normally do. So taking a probiotic with you is a good bet. You can give it to your kiddos. those uh, The capsules can break apart. You can sprinkle it into yogurt or oatmeal or add it to a drink. This is what I do for Hattie. I put in a little shot glass with a bit of water and she just shoots it down. So head to their website using the link in our show notes. Use code FUNK15 to save 15% off of your order. One thing that I hear from clients often is I used to be able to drink wine and now I can no longer tolerate. And there's a reason for that. We talk a lot on the show about processed food, but wine can be extremely processed as well. There are 76 additives legally approved for use in winemaking. This can be dyes, thickeners, GMO yeast. And the top 20 wines sold in the US, the most popular ones, all contain high levels of sugar. So my answer to that problem is dry farm wines. I've had a subscription for them uh, for years, and I absolutely love every single bottle they sell. They are organically, biodynamically grown, sugar-free, low alcohol, and they source wines from small family growers. So if you're like me and you enjoy the occasional glass of wine while you're cooking with your family, head to dryfarmwines.com forward slash funk for functional nutrition podcast listeners they are offering an extra bottle in your first box for a penny. You get free shipping and delivery straight to your door. So check them out and enjoy. So bile production, bile is mostly water. It's about 95% water. And then the rest of it is made up of bile salts or bile acids. These bile salts are cholesterol derivatives. So they're made in the liver from cholesterol. So cholesterol is a really important bile link. There's a really uh, important link with cholesterol and bile here. And then this is per Deanna Minnick, who's going to actually come on the podcast and talk to us about... Uh, some really good stuff. But she says the the remaining 5% is made up of bile acids. So 95% water, the rest of it is bile acids, bilirubin, amino acids, enzymes, steroid hormones, including estrogen, glutathione, cholesterol, vitamins, vitamin D, some B vitamins. Basically, there's like a, a crap ton of stuff in bile. It's made up of a lot. And then we also find toxins in bile, heavy metals, xenobiotics, medications, drugs, environmental toxins that are targeted for excretion. Because one of the reasons, we'll talk about this in a sec, one of the, the things that bile does is it pulls toxins out of the body. And so we can see some of these toxins in the bile itself. Um, so it, we do think about bile as the digestive juice that helps us digest fat, because that is one of its main roles. And it's a very important role. Like I said, bile acids act like a detergent. So it helps to emulsify the fats in our food. And dietary fats need to be emulsified before we can digest them, before we can absorb them. And not only does it help us absorb our the fats that we're eating, but also fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, um, all of these things are really necessary for health. These are really necessary to build out hormones. So we have to make sure that we're actually accessing these fat-soluble vitamins through food. And so this is one of the reasons why bile deficiency can lead to vitamin deficiencies is because we're just not able to break down those uh, that fat and access those fat-soluble vitamins. So super important role, and it's not the only role. So like I just said, bile. Is important for the removal of toxins from the body. It has a very important role as essentially a portal for the for different uh biotransform toxins to leave the body. And biotransform basically just means they've gone through the liver. So we need free flowing bile to detoxify, to flush out all of the toxins that the liver is processing. Liver breaks things down from phase one to phase two, and then it gets released through the body through bile. Um, And that's how these toxic end products get ushered into the stool and pooped out. Bile is the name of the game for that whole song and dance. So But that's why we see bile containing some of these toxins, carcinogens, xenobiotics, pharmaceuticals, heavy metals, mercury, aluminum, lead, um, and hormones. As I've talked about a lot on the show, we deal with hormones in a very similar way that we deal with toxins. So we'll use estrogen. We, We, as an example, we need to make estrogen and we're making it all the time. We make it every day and then we use it and then we have to get rid of it. So estrogen goes through those biotransformation pathways that other toxins go through. The body treats estrogen in the same way that it would treat a contaminant in the environment breaks it down, it neutralizes it, and then it packages it up so we can get rid of it. And so if you've if you've done your hormone revival with me, if you've ever done a Dutch test, this is what we're looking at on the Dutch test is we're looking to see if estrogen, how we're metabolizing estrogen. We're looking at phase one, and then we're looking at phase two. Both of those happen in the liver. And all of that is part of natural biology, a natural part of physiology, and we can take action steps to optimize estrogen metabolism and clearance to make sure that we're effectively getting rid of it. And this is a lot of the strategies that we do in your hormone revival. But some signs that maybe you're not effectively clearing estrogen, PMS, mood swings, menstrual migraines, menstrual headaches, um, weight gain, Bloating, fibrocystic breasts, fibroids, acne, all of that, all of those estrogen dominant symptoms can mean, can indicate that you're not really effectively getting estrogen out of the body. That's very, very, very common. Estrogen dominant, our dominance isn't always you're making too much estrogen. Sometimes it just means that you're not clearing it out. And if you have a high toxic load, If you get exposed to a lot of different environmental toxins, you're going to be, your body's going to be essentially using up all of those resources that estrogen needs to clear out. So then estrogen recirculates and that's how we can start to see estrogen dominant symptoms. That's how we start to see estrogen, um, like uh, symptoms of too much estrogen, so phase one, phase two happen in the liver. And then phase three really involves bile in the gut. So we're taking all of those toxins out through the bile. We're pulling it into the colon and we're pooping it out. And we have to do this with toxins and we have to do this with estrogens. We have to get it all the way out of the body. If it's not out of the body, it will be reabsorbed and recirculated. And in the, in the microbiome, we have the estrobilone, which is part of the microbiome that really helps with estrogen clearance. And so what I want to say, it's really important if you have any of those symptoms or if you think you're dealing with some estrogen dominant or uh, or hormone imbalance, you really need to focus on your food. Whenever we see that our clients in Your Hormone Revival have issues with estrogen clearance, we recommend that they join the Carb Compatibility Project because food Really matters here. We need to do certain fibers, certain um, plant compounds. We need colors. We need prebiotics to make sure that we're supporting phase one and phase two in the liver, but then we're also supporting phase three in the gut where we're able to really effectively pull estrogen, pull our uh, toxins all the way out of the body so they're not popping back into circulation. That's a problem. Okay. So, if that sounds like you, I would consider joining the CCP so we can talk more about this stuff and give you like actual strategies to use. Bile also helps to regulate motility and prevent constipation. So, if you're somebody who struggles with ongoing constipation, hey, this one's for you. Constipation can be a symptom of poor bile flow. Um, bile lubricates the intestinal tract, and it also helps to set the pace of motility and just make sure things are moving through uh, in an efficient way. And so that is that also feeds into de- detox, right? Because we have to take toxins all the way to the toilet. We have to poop them out. So um, consider bile if you've, if you've got sluggish digestion. Bile impacts the rhythm of the gut. So the circadian timing of your gut motility and the circadian control of nutrient availability. That's really um, regulated by bile acids. So super important from there. If you deal with hypothyroid, hypothyroid is seven times more likely in people with reduced bile flow. Bile actually helps to uh, boost thyroid activity. We need bile in order to convert T4 into active thyroid hormone T3. And so we a lot of this conversion of T4 to T3 takes place at the level of the gut and bile is, is a, a key factor in that. So again, for anybody that's dealing with hormone imbalance, whether it's thyroid hormone or estrogen or whatever, I really encourage you to sign up for the CCP because you, number one, you can't balance your hormones without bl- balancing your blood sugar. Hard stop. You, can't, you just can't do it. And the CCP is a nutrition plan for balancing blood sugar, but we even have to take it a step further than that. We have to take into account all the other factors that are required for healthy hormones, gut health, liver health. And bile production. And we do all of that with the food plan uh, in the carb compatibility project. So, bile is very, very important for overall gut health and microbiome health. They are signaling agents. Bile salts, once it gets into the colon, they're signaling agents and they control and modulate the rest of the gut. So, it can bind to different receptors, including your vitamin D receptor, G protein coupled receptor. FXR receptor. And this is how bile can help to modulate the immune system, can modulate neurological function, can um, modulate vascular function in the gut. It can aid in immune system health. Um, It can impact secretory IgA and inflammatory cytokines. So um, having appropriate uh, bile flow can reduce inflammation in the gut. It also can improve gut barrier function. So this is leaky gut. It can help to prevent having appropriate bile can help to prevent leaky gut. It helps to regulate those tight junctions and make sure that they're not permeable so the gut isn't leaky. And then it has a big impact on metabolic health as well. Lipid metabolism, glucose metabolism, insulin sensitivity. We talked a little bit about this in last week's show, uh, but I just kind of want to double down on that. Bile acids are closely tied to blood sugar. We need proper bile release for balancing blood sugar. Hey, let's take a quick break so we can talk about low sugar nutrition. I'm always looking for kind of quick and dirty ways to pack in extra nutrition, polyphenols, antioxidants, fibers for my gut, and even herbs for my stress response. Like the more adaptogens, the better, which is why I use Organify powders every day, several times a day. I love to put them into my water. This is great if you're one of those people that struggles to just get enough hydration, get enough water, and if you feel like water's really boring, these powders can zhuzh it up for you. My kiddo loves them. She feels like she's drinking juice. I also throw them into my smoothies just as a way to get some extra nutrition. My personal favorite is the red juice. So it has lots of different red powders things like acai, cranberry, pomegranate, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, all of those polyphenol-rich red and blue powders. And if you've listened to the show or you've seen me on Instagram, you've heard me talk about the benefits of these powders. They feed a very unique and particular type of bacteria in your gut called acromantia. Acromantia is a keystone player. It's wicked important for keeping your gut healthy and strong. It prevents leaky gut. It also is very important for metabolic health and insulin signaling and controlling blood sugar. Now, unfortunately, I do a lot of stool tests on people and see that acromancia is low, sometimes even below detectable limits. That's a real bummer. Some of the bacteria in our guts are little piggies. They'll eat anything. And then some bacteria are more like snobby foodies that will only eat specific things. This acromancia bacteria loves to eat red polyphenols. So, the more red foods you can eat, the better. And getting red powders is super important as well. So the red juice is something that you can grab super easy and it's low sugar. All of Organifi's powders are under three grams of sugar per serving. And most of them offer up fiber as well to counteract any spike in blood sugar. So highly recommend, I throw them in my smoothie so I can pack in a bunch of veggies without adding a ton of fruit that might spike my blood sugar. And I can still make them sweet and palatable. Go to Organifi's website, organifi.com. You can click the link in the show notes. Be sure to use the code FUNK. It will save you 20% off of every single order you ever place. You get a good deal and you get to support all the good things in your body too. So this is why gallbladder issues have such far-reaching implications on the rest of like the entire body, essentially. And so you really, instead of considering uh, thinking about bile like fat digestion, we really should consider it more like a signaling molecule and a hormone because it really impacts that much in the physical body. So if we have problems here, whether we have problems in the flow of bile problems in the metabolism of bile or in the synthesis of bile, it's going to contribute to a lot of health challenges. So doesn't it make sense for us to work on our bile to support our overall bile production? Why, yes, it does. Um, and I'm going to give you some strategies on exactly how to do that. But first, I want you to check in with this list Um, Because there are certain factors that can increase your risk of gallstones, okay? And so if that's you, if any of this stuff is you, you really want to like double down and really, really, really focus on your uh, gallbladder health and bile health, just so you can prevent this in the future. So female, that's it. (laughs) Being female increases your risk of gallstones, especially if you're over the age of 40 and especially if you've had children. And especially, especially, especially if you're Mexican American, Native American, or of Middle Eastern descent, the likelihood is higher. If you are sedentary huge. We need movement for the gallbladder to contract. So if you're not moving your body regularly, you're not getting the appropriate input. Your gallbladder isn't getting the appropriate input for contraction. And if the gallbladder isn't contracting, then hey, guess what? It's not releasing bile effectively. So you got to move your body. If you eat a low fiber diet. That's why I'm bout it, bout it in the CCP with fibers. I want to hit you from every angle with all different fibers. Fibers you know this episode isn't about fiber, but it just just trust me on this one. Fibers do a lot, including support healthy gallbladder uh, function. If you have type two diabetes or metabolic syndrome, remember last week we talked about the fact that insulin promotes gallstone gallstone formation. So if you have insulin resistance, um, if you have issues with blood sugar, it can really impact the health of your gall, uh, your gallbladder and whether or not you. You form gallstones, so we got to work on your blood sugar. If you have certain blood disorders like sickle cell anemia or leukemia, that can be And same deal with like having liver disease. So those are some health in um, health situations that can impact your risk factor. Here's a big one. If you lose weight very quickly, this can be a risk factor for developing gallstones. This is reason number 327, why not to do crash diets. Not healthy. Super rapid weight loss, not healthy. Um, And then, again, we talked about this last week, but I'll repeat it here. If you're taking any medications that contain estrogen, so birth control, oral contraceptives, or hormone therapy, um, this can really influence uh, or influence your risk for developing gallstones. Okay, so what the heck do we do to support gallbladder health? What do we do to support that appropriate contraction and bile synthesis and bile release and free flowing bile? Um, From a lifestyle perspective, I kind of already touched on this, move your body like 30 minutes a day, five times a week for gallbladder contraction. So just make sure that you're moving your body. From a dietary perspective perspective, We really need to focus on metabolic health, on insulin signaling. If you need help with this, carb compatibility project starts on Monday, so it's a great time. If you have not tucked into your metabolic health, into blood sugar regulation, into insulin signaling, now is a really good time. This stuff doesn't get easier over time; it gets harder. It gets more challenging to unpack. So insulin. Um, And coffee, actually. Well, coffee is a bitter. And so we're going to talk about why bitters are awesome. Uh, But there really is um, huge protective effects of drinking coffee when it comes to gallstones, so if you're somebody who's prone to gallstones, coffee can be super helpful. Uh, that caffeine binds to receptors and it causes that smooth muscle contraction, and that helps to release sludge, release bile. Um, I would say that make sure that you're just not adding a ton of like cream and sugar to your coffee. We really want like that the we want that like bitter effect too. Uh, choline is real important for bile health. And we get choline in beef, almonds, cauliflower, navy beans, amaranth. We can get it in lecithin. So lecithin you can buy as a powder and put it into smoothies. Uh, Choline deficiency is very, very common. And so we need choline to build out bile. So that can be really helpful um, from a, a, of a, A food focus, and then specific nutrients for gallbladder sludge. So, certain things that are going to promote that contraction, that motility, that ejection, getting the sludge out of the gallbladder coffee, ginger, green tea, and curcumin. Those four uh, plants can really, plant compounds can really, really help. From Uh, From a metabolism perspective, so taking cholesterol and building it into bile salts, what we need is phosphatidylcholine. We need beetroot extract. So eating beets, by the way, can be super helpful. Uh, Taurine, vitamin C, and omega-3 fatty acids. All of that can help us formulate bile salts from cholesterol. And then if you need to thin the bile, if it's like uh, sludgy and thick, beetroot extract, again, milk thistle, dandelion root, you can take all three of these. And again, coffee consumption can be helpful here to thin out the bile. We can also use, so that's, those are different foods, we can also use uh, hydrochloric acid or pancreatic enzymes can have some benefit, or even taking bile salts like ox bile, that can really help to thin, thin out sludge. It just depends on how aggressive you want to get. This is an information podcast, so I'm not giving medical advice. I'm not saying, hey, go do this. I'm saying, talk to somebody about this. These are different options for you. Um, In the Carb Compatibility Project, you get access to the free digestive guide. You can actually go just download my free digestive guide on my website. Just go to thefunctionalnutritionist.com, functional spelled with a K, forward slash digestion. And you can download that for free at any time. It's a really robust guide. Um, the benefit of doing it th- with the CCP is that you can ask me questions about supplementation while you're doing it just to make sure that you're doing it right. That is an information um, that I can really guide you through on the podcast. So, uh, But head to thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash digestion. You can grab that free digestive guide. And I really talk to you about talk you through like the specifics of like different things you can try if you are dealing with fat digestion issues. Um, And then finally, the last thing I want to do is shout out bitters because one really, really important and effective way to improve the health of your bile is by eating bitters. That bitter taste stimulates the release of bile and it also gets other digestive juices flowing like saliva, HCL, uh, pepsin, pancreatic digestive enzymes, lots of, lots of juices. Consuming bitters can also increase the tone of your LES, which is your lower esophageal sphincter. Um, we have different in our digestive tract. We have different sphincter muscles that open and close to make sure that things are moving in the right direction. And w- with chronic heartburn, with reflux, with GERD, what we can see is that it can be a muscular issue with that LES, that that sphincter muscles opening up inappropriately. So then. Um, acid from our stomach can come up into the esophagus where it doesn't belong. And that really causes tremendous pain. Like the stomach can tolerate acid, the esophagus, not so much. And so when we consume bitters, we can increase that tone. We can tonify that muscle, which is really, really important. So bitters, um, big deal. Make sure you're eating lots and lots and lots of bitters. We don't. We're not. We're not eating bitter. People are like, oh, I don't really like bitters. I'm like, totally, I get it. You kind of have to retrain your palate toward the bitter flavor. Um, Really important to do for your kiddos too, by the way. Um, We don't have much bitter taste in our modern diet. We've got lots of sugar. We've got lots of sweets. We've got lots of carbohydrates, which breaks down into sugar starting in the mouth um, with With Salivary amylase. So we can start, like, we're getting lots of sweet in our mouth all the time. And even the healthy foods and, like, healthy, I'm kind of using air quotes when I say that. Fruit in this country is really grown to be sweeter. So we've just kind of collectively lost our affinity for bitter taste. And it makes good sense to try to get it back. And the way that we do that is by incorporating a lot of bitter flavor. So watercress, arugula, endive, dandelion, radicchio, uh, the outer peel of citrus fruits, um, dandelion root tea, turmeric, coffee, cacao. And again, like I was saying earlier, in order to really get the, um, the impact, the positive benefit from bitters, we really should be able to taste the bitter. So if you're adding a ton of sugar to coffee or you're eating really sweet chocolate, you're not really getting those bitter notes. And so it's important that you, um, your palate gets gets access to those bitters. So a lot of the meal plan in the carb compatibility project incorporates these foods so you don't have to overthink it. Um, So if you're gonna do the CCP, you will get access to meal plans and different recipes that include lots of bitters and how to how to do that. We also talk about that in the live classes. Um, But if you're not joining the CCP, then make sure that you're peppering in lots of bitter foods. So that's what I have for you today. Protect your gallbladder, kids. It's really important stuff. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.